0: to the Toys R Us report, recorded live from inside the Pooptronic cellular undersea base 0001, 6.5 miles below the ocean surface. He likes to speak his piece when he's on the mic. He's the best or at least he's the one you like. Know. He's your host, IC Robots. If you're looking for me, you better check under the sea. It is your dude. I see robots, and I'm not a hero, but I do sacrifice a bit of my week. each and every week to make your week a bit less week, and this week, it is going to get so much less week. We got, we got a lot, a lot, a lot of fun stuff ahead of us. It's going to be a hoot. I think it might even be a hoot and a half. What do you know? We made... We may go to that level. I got a, I got a jam from Iceberg. This is an oldie but a goodie. Let me see if I can find it here on the drive. Uh, hold it now. Iceberg's chillin. Emily's chillin. What more can I say? Top villain. I don't have a. D I O have a. And Cobra figures and equipment sold you were listening to the Toys R Us report. Hey, it is me, and we are back for the beginning of the show. Big up to Iceberg for that. That's an oldie but a goodie. I think he actually used that one on Icy Robots Radio back in the day before the uh, Toys R Us report even existed. I... I've been posting those old Icy Robots radios up on, uh, the Patreon site. So, if you want to get down with that, you can do so. Just go over to supportthereport.com and check that out. I don't want to, I don't want to beat a dead horse, but, uh, it's nice, man. It's nice to show support. At any rate, Iceberg's not here. Emily's not here. They both, they both use some well-earned vacation hours, too. They headed off on vacation. They went to, I believe... The Pleasure Planet Riza of Star Trek fame, yes. Yes, it is real. I don't know if Iceberg is going to have one of those idols. One of those idols that Vosh left for Picard. I know not. I I wasn't invited. I I guess somebody had to stay down here and hold down the fort. Somebody had to get the show out. And they they were like, it's your show, dude. You just do it. So here I am. I'm working the board. I'm doing the stuff. I, I'm a one-man show this week, as it were. Ugh, uh, what was that idol called on Ryza? A Hordoron? I should, I should ask Earl Green. He would definitely be able to pop that one off the top of his head. I want to check out Earl Green. You could do so over at thelogbook.com. Dude is a true friend to, uh, me and, and the show, and to all of you, I guess. Let's, let's see. I got some, some other news that by the time you hear this will be old news. But I saw that Star Wars teaser trailer. I- I was down here when it came out and they have the internet blocked for any kind of, any kind of Facebook, any kind of Twitter, anything fun like that. They don't want us, they don't want us goofing around so I had to, I had to get back up there to check it out and I, I gotta say, I thought it looked pretty dope. I am not one of those people who absolutely hated The Last Jedi. I thought it was fine. I didn't think it was as good as The Force Awakens by any means. I didn't think it was as good as Rogue One, but I I definitely did enjoy parts of it. I like the I like the throne room battle. I liked the battle at the end. I liked enough of it that I that I would say it was cool with me. But I I do definitely see why why people did not enjoy it. But um, one of the things I did not like in the movie was the was the portrayal of Rey. Rey is I I think that she might actually be my favorite Star Wars character of all the Star Wars characters. It just, there's something about her as a plucky underdog that I really, really, really enjoy. And I, I didn't like her portrayal that much in the second movie. And a lot of it, a lot of it was with her attire. I liked, I like, like her desert scavenger, like those rags that she wears. And when she, when she was on that planet with Skywalker, she kind of had like, she had, like, this Jedi poser look that I didn't like. Like, she had that little ponytail, like, Qui-Gon Jinn, and it just... I don't know, man. She wasn't a Jedi yet. She was, like... She was, like, a full-on Jedi poser, and it... It kind of bugged me, so I was happy to see that she was back in her... These look like new desert rags. Like, she has a hood, but she's back... She's back with, like, her, uh, three-bun hairstyle, which I... Which I really dig. I... I really, really, really like Rey. There's something about her, man, that I just, I feel in my heart. It might be that she's so, she's so slight, like she's a very slight person, and when you see her going up against somebody like Kylo Ren, who is, he's a real big dude, it's, it's pretty cool to me to see, just like this plucky little underdog fighting so hard against somebody. They're there's something about her that touches me like deep in my heart the the scene in force awakens where she's fighting kylo ren in the forest and and she realizes that she has the force within her you need a teacher i could show you the ways of the force It's just so moving to me, I swear. Every time I see her, she closes her eyes and she concentrates, and when she opens them, she is more powerful than Kylo Ren can ever imagine because now she knows the Force is within her. I just, I, I take it, I take it as an examination of the power that's inside all of us. I think that, I think we all have something in us that we could bring out if we knew, we knew what was there. I think that... I think that each and every one of us is just capable of so much. If only they believed in themselves. If only you knew what was inside of you. So I want to tell you guys, I know what's in there. I know you guys got something. And I just, I want you all to close your eyes. And I want you to think. And I want you to open them. And I want you to bring that power out. You can do it. I, I get so moved by Ray. I love I love her story of just this little underdog. Her her parents sold her for drinking money, according to Kylo Ren. And I I love that when she was given the chance to excel, when she was given the chance to move on and to do important, exciting things with her life, she took it. And I want you all I want you all to learn from that. And I want you to all to gather your own strength and realize You're capable of a lot. You're more powerful than you would ever know if you would just believe in yourself. If you would just close your eyes and open them and become a different, more powerful person. I know that all sounds very simple. It all sounds impossible. But you are who you think you are. You are not who other people define you as. You are your own person. And you can be pretty much whatever you want to be within reason. You can't close your eyes and open them up and be a billionaire, but you can definitely close your eyes, open them up, and be a happier, more productive person. If you wanna, if you wanna get things done, if you have things that are weighing on you because you can't get these projects completed, all you gotta do is complete them. All you gotta do is close your eyes, open them up, and become that person who gets things done instead of that person who, who kind of sits around wants to get things done and never gets around to it. It's within you dude it is within you if you think I am specifically talking to you I am. I am specifically talking to you right now. I want you to I want you to take Rey I want you to think about her and just realize she never knew she had the force until, until until it was time. It was time to have the force. That time for you, it's now man. It's now. It could be tomorrow. It could be whenever. But it is is time. It's high time for everybody out there to be like Ray and just succeed on a level you never thought that you could. And what I mean by success is personal success. I mean, you can be happy. You can have fun. You can get things done. All of these things are out there, man. They're there for you. And I know you're just like, look at you, dude. You got it all. It's easy for you to talk. Let me tell you, I don't got nothing. I'd have gotten nothing, but I still find ways to have a happy, nice life. And it's all it's all there for you. Look at Ray. She grew up on a planet that was essentially a giant ball of sand. Her parents abandoned her. She lived inside of an abandoned spaceship, scavenging garbage for a living, but she was able to do it. When the time came, she was able to do it, and she was able to become the one that is going to save the entire universe. I I know you got it in you. Just believe in yourself. So, I don't know. That's just a little bit of motivational talk for you guys. Let's uh, let's move on into At The Movies. In a moment, At The Movies without Ebert, Siskel, or even that dude Roper. But you've got Icy Robots, so that's something, right? I'd like to purchase some of your finest beer, please. Shazam! is easily one of the most fun superhero movies ever made. Wait, what? It's ridiculously entertaining. I don't hear anything. Unlike anything DC has done before. Are you making some of my big speech right now or something? Oh, whatever, screw it. Shazam! Rated PG-13. Experience it in IMAX. Shazam is the latest DC Comics movie. DC has been on a winning streak lately. They had, they just had Aquaman, which wasn't exactly to my taste, but it did big box office, and people, people seem to like it by and large, so that's good, and they, they continue that success with Shazam. Shazam, Shazam was a lot of fun, dude. I, I think you guys probably already know the tale of Shazam, a.k.a. Captain Marvel Marvel. That's what he was when I was coming up. The, the inclination was to call him Shazam, but his name was Captain Marvel. But I think that DC decided we should probably just stop with this Captain Marvel foolishness. And they, they decided to push ahead with the name Shazam. Sometimes you got to go with what the fans are telling you. You know, you don't want to fight the fans. If the fans are saying this, just go with this. It's what they want. And that's, uh, that's what I think happened here Shazam is the tale of a he is a teenage orphan by the name of Billy Batson who is given the the incredible powers of Shazam by the wizard whose name is also Shazam he he is played by uh Digimon Hansu, who you might know from Guardians of the Galaxy you might know him from Gladiator you might know him from Amistad he's a good actor and he's been in like he's been in a ton of good stuff in this one he plays a a wizard with a long beard and long hair and like like a magic staff and stuff, and he's the one who imparts the powers of Shazam onto Billy Batson. He has, he spent his whole life looking for a, like, the perfect person to give these powers to, but he can never find anyone who is worthy, and, like, in his dying days, he has no choice but to give the powers to Billy Batson. You, you later find out that, like, over the years, he's tried, like, dozens and dozens of different people, and he basically does it like this. He pulls them down to the Rock of Eternity, which is kind of like in a, in a cave and stuff. He pulls them down there, and he questions them, and he tries to find out if they're worthy, and all this time, he's never found anyone. I, I will say, if he would have called me, I may not have been the best superhero that there ever was, but I can guarantee 100% that I would not have used these powers for evil. There is zero there are zero chances that you would give me superpowers and I would use them to hurt people or destroy things or commit crimes or for wealth. It would never, it would never happen. And I know that I'm not alone in this. I know that all you guys out there, all you dudes listening right now, you would do the same. You're not going to get superpowers and become like, you're not going to become Black Adam. You're not going to become Lex Luthor. You're going to do good. You're going to help people. We may not, we may not be the best. Maybe we're a bit lazy. We... We may make mistakes here and there, but there would only be good intentions, I think. And it's weird that it's weird to me. The wizard would spend like thousands of years, and he can't find anybody that he can guarantee is not going to be not going to be evil. I don't know. I have I have more faith in humanity than that. Despite the state of the world, I still have faith in individuals. I think if you give them a chance, they're going to do the right thing. I I just think that there are some people out there who wield a lot of power, and they're doing enough bad for millions. But I think by and large, if you take Dude on the street, random dude on the street, asking for help, they're probably gonna help. At any rate, he, he passes the powers on to young Billy Batson, who lives in a group home. He's an orphan. The, uh, the group home is run by the dude who is, a uh, Jerry, um, Walking Dead. He's, he's that big guy with the long hair who hangs out with King Ezekiel. I really like that guy. That dude, that dude has a, a very high, uh, charisma factor. If he rolled the three, uh, six-sided dice, he'd probably end up, like, 15 or higher, you know, whereas... Whereas somebody like me, rolling straight ones, you're going to get a three, but uh, I make up for it in other areas. Wisdom, maybe, dexterity, strength, of course, I am, I am titanically strong, <laughs> as it were, but uh, I, I thought this movie was a lot of fun. It was very lighthearted, it was, it moved along, despite the movie being over two hours long, I felt like it moved very quickly, when they got to the third act, I I was into it. I was surprised that we were already there. When I found out the movie was this long, I, I seriously was surprised. It moved along very quickly. There's a lot of fun stuff, a lot of silliness. Captain Marvel's always been more of a lighthearted character in the first place, which is, which is cool. I appreciate that. He, he has like a whole family. This isn't in the comics. He has like a whole family called the Marvel family with all these, all these different versions of, uh, people with similar powers to him. There's like a girl version and, uh, A younger version, like a Captain Marvel Jr. There's even, like... I think there's, like, a tiger. A Mr. Talky Tawny is his name, if I remember correctly. And at some point, he gets, like, a red Shazam suit, too. It's... It's all fun. In... In the comics, uh... One of his worst villains is, like, a... It's like a little worm with genius powers called Mr. Mind. I... I hope at some point we see Mr. Mind in this. I just think that's too good to pass up. But in this one, he fights, um... A... Another super dude called Mr. Silvana, I believe his name, he's played by Mark Strong, who you might know from, uh, he was in Kingsman, he's been in all kinds of stuff, he's a, he's a bald guy, he's British, good actor too, he's, he's pretty good as, uh, the villain of it. I could see him playing, like, Alex Luthor, maybe, he, he kinda has that about him, and he also has, like, a, he has, like, a certain degree of physicality, which is... Which is nice, Zachary Levi, who was on Chuck. He is Shazam, and I, I have never seen Chuck. I've heard people say a lot of good things about it, but I, I think that Zach Levi did a, he did a spot on job as Shazam. This was, this was a lot of fun, a lot of, a lot of cute little things here and there. It's reminiscent of Big. You know, you have a small person in a grown body, but this is, this is Big with superpowers. You know, he has to learn how to use his abilities. It's neat to see. It's neat to see the scenes where he's trying to see what abilities he has. Does he, does he has the ability to fly? Does he has the ability to deflect bullets? Does he has laser vision? Who knows? But it's fun to see him, like, try and figure all this out. I thought this, I thought this was a lot of fun. lighthearted, family, fair, I took everybody, you know, we took the wife, the kid, the wife's friend we had a good time it was it was all pretty chill we actually went on the Saturday night which I which I don't like to do but the movie had already been out a week and I I don't know I needed to see it the the kid was on a school trip when it opened and we have a sacred vow between us that we will only see these superhero movies together the one, two there were two exceptions and those were Aquaman which for whatever reason she refused to see she was like, these DC movies are so whack that I am not going to go sit for some, like, six-hour movie about Aquaman. I refuse. Go see it yourself. She was a bit moody. So we did. It was okay, and she did not want to see Venom. The wife didn't want to see Venom either. I saw that with my uncle. They they were like, it looks super dumb, and I'm like, I got to admit, it looks super dumb, too. But, in fact, it was actually all right. Let's see. On the good old-fashioned Source Magazine mic meter, with one being a dud and five being an all-time classic, I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to give Shazam a solid three- Three point five mic. Three point five mic. Because of the thirty-minute special programs which follow, the Waltons will not be presented tonight. This week, I see robots presents a special topic picked by show patreon javier hope you enjoy it 350 days a year as a wrestler on the road maybe it's a sickness it's 350 days a year a lot of physical pain a lot of loneliness but you have no home life whatsoever piper and me riding down the road doing eight balls of cocaine I'm sure it broke up marriages. How many guys uh, in the wrestling business have a family left when they're done? Most of them lose. I couldn't have children. I couldn't put them on a turnbuckle while mommy worked. All right, it is me and we are back for what is, in a lot of ways, an extension of At The Movies. But I wanted to give a special fanfare to this. This is a... It's a rare happening. It is a topic picked by a show patron. If you, if you go and you give up to the Kyber Crystal level, you can find all about that on, uh, supportthereport.com. If you give up to that level, you are allowed to pick a topic for the show. And Javier hit me up with this one for, I don't know, it was, it was for a while ago. I wasn't able to get my hands on a copy of the DVD, but, uh... Luckily, good old Joe Video got it, and I got it in my hand, and I watched it. This is, this is a professional wrestling documentary known as 350 Days. And I know, I know that wrestling is a hot topic amongst some of you guys. Some of you guys don't really like it very much, but this is, this is a movie review. So you wanna, you wanna stick tight, you wanna find out what's going on. The movie, the movie focuses on the lives of some of the Some of the stars of yesteryear. They talked to the million dollar man, Ted DiBiase. They talked to George the Animal Steel. They talked to Abdul the Butcher, Ox Baker. They talked to the legendary manager of the Four Horsemen, J.J. Dillon. They talked to, uh, Brett the Hitman Hart, who I, I personally kind of find the Hitman to be a bit of a blowhard, but that's, that's just me. The dude was, the dude was undoubtedly great. I cannot take that away from him. They talked to... They talked to Bill Eadie, who was, he was one of the members of Demolition, but more famously to me, he was the, he was the masked superstar. When I first, like, when I first got into wrestling, I got a book at Walden Books called The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly, The Pictorial History of Wrestling, and it had the... It had the wrestlers in the book given, like, encyclopedia entries, and they were broken up into the category of the good, that being good guys like Bob Backlund and such, the bad, which were villains like Adrian Adonis and guys like that. And then you had the ugly, which was kind of the type of wrestler that tended to be more of a... More of a creature, a Missing Link, or a George the Animal Steel, or an Ox Baker type. But, uh, one of the dudes that was in the bad section was the masked superstar, who, this guy ran roughshod over the South back in the 80s, and the picture that they used for him was beautiful. He was wearing a three-piece suit, he had a vest, the jacket, the pants, the shoes, looking very dapper, but then he had his wrestling mask on over his... Over his face. I love the look of a suit and a wrestling mask so much. I I think it's great. If I could get away with doing it, I would I would definitely do so. But not being a true luchador, I think that would be offensive for me to ape the look. But the, the superstar looked amazing in this picture. And I would look at it and just think how cool this guy was. He had this mask. It was a two-colored mask. And he had many different varieties of it. For example... He could have a blue one, rings around the eyes, and then right on the forehead would be a white star. It was just a classic, simple design, and he looks so dope in this photo. I would, I would look at it all the time. I actually went down to A&B Market before, before, um, it was Montecito Market. It's now Oliver's Market, but back when it was a and B, I I went down there one day, and I ran off a photocopy for 50 cents of this picture, and I... I hung it on my wall, I just thought it was, I thought it was so great, and then many, many, many years later, Bill Eadie, who was the guy under the mask, joined the World Wrestling Federation as a, as a member of a Road Warrior knockoff tag team called Demolition, and it wasn't like, it wasn't for like, many years that I learned that that dude in Demolition ...was the unmasked masked superstar. I could not believe it. I was... I was gobsmacked. I'd always wondered what dude looked like under the mask... ...and then I found out, like, many years later... ...you'd been looking at him all along. It was... It was fun to see Bill Eadie in this documentary. They... They kind of talked to guys a lot when they were doing conventions... ...or whatever. When they're available. You know, you gotta hit them when they're available. And they showed, uh... Mr. Eadie at various... Various, like, wrestle cons, And some of them... He was the masked superstar... At other ones, he was made up with his demolition makeup. You know, you gotta, you gotta know your audience. And dude obviously did. But 350 days, which signifies the amount of time a wrestler spends on the road back in the day. I think now, I think now it's a lot less. When you, when you truly had to go out and go from city to city. Because you would only make your money if you wrestled. You might have to be on the road for 350 days. Now, nowadays they get like... All kinds of different pay from t-shirts and such. So the the life isn't as hard, not to say it's not hard on the on the new dudes. They make up for the lack of for the lack of matches by killing their bodies even worse in the matches that they have. But that's that's a whole different story. Right now we're talking about back in the day and what these guys what these guys are up to now. It seems It seems like for the most part, what they are up to is complaining. This was, this was a documentary full of stories about how bad it was back in the old days. And don't get me wrong, I am absolutely certain that it was, that it was awful. Wrestling is now starting to get a bit more on the up and up with WWE being like publicly traded and stuff. But back in, back in the day, this was... This was a carny business that chewed up and ate people like nobody's business. And these guys, these guys got some crazy stories of the bad things they faced, the bad things they saw, the bad conditions they were in. When I hear somebody complain really bad about something like this, I always, I always get struck with the thought that, you could have quit at any time. It is very difficult to stay active in the world of wrestling. It's not like, it's not like wrestling uh, jobs are, are like a dime a dozen. They're hard to come by, and only the best guys get them. So to stay out on the road for 350 days straight, you gotta you gotta be putting in some effort to get some bookings, and you could have bailed out at any time. But I I think the allure of the crowd, the allure of the fame the chicks, the money, the drugs, all these things lead to the dudes sticking with it for so long. And I think when, I think when they're on video and they're complaining about how harsh it was, I think in a lot of ways they're, they're looking back and they're expressing regret. The, the complaints are kind of, they're kind of sprinkled with a little bit of why didn't I give this up? Why did I pass on having a family? Why did I not get to know my kids as well as I could have? It's, it's kind of a sad tale. I I think the fame becomes addicting, and once you start becoming famous in this way, and you start leading a sleazy life full of full of prostitutes and amphetamines and cutting your own forehead to draw blood and money, you you probably do become addicted to it in a way. I I don't know. Maybe I would. Maybe if I became a maybe if I left Pooptronics and I became a big star and I started I started hanging at the Troubadour. Doing methamphetamines and staying up all night doing whatever. Maybe, maybe I'd become into it. I don't know. Probably not. I, I don't see myself. If I, if I was going to become a sleazeball, I probably would have done it long, long ago. But, uh, at any rate, where was I on this? The, the doc kind of jumps all over the place. For like one minute, they're talking to Abdullah the Butcher about his time in Puerto Rico. And the next time, they're, they're talking to Bret Hart about what it was like fighting Goldberg, and then, then they'll jump to Nikolai Volkov, and he'll tell a charming story about Fred Blassie. It's, it's a lot of fun, I have to say. If, if you like wrestling, you will definitely enjoy this, but if, if you're the kind of person who's heavily into wrestling, you, you may not get as much out of this as much as a casual fan. These are, these are tales you may have heard before, if not specifically these tales, tales like them, but still, seeing the dudes that you haven't seen in a while talk, it's fun, it's nice, it's very, it's very nostalgic, let's, uh, let's play a, uh, quick outtake here from, uh, from Ox Baker, talking about the time he was on, uh, The Price is Right, the number one game show of all the time in space, The Price is Right. They took somebody else there that wanted to be on the program. I really didn't want to be on there, but they took one look at me, and they had to... Benny! Shut up! Shut up! Benny! Shut up! Benny! That's a great clip right there. I'm glad the studio sent us that. It's nice. Nice to hear Ox Baker scream at his dogs. Ox Baker was in the ugly section of the good, the bad, and the ugly. And I had never seen him wrestle. And then one day I happened upon Escape from New York. And there's a scene where Kurt Russell, Snake Plissken, is locked into into a bat fight with Ox Baker. And I'm like, that's that dude in that book. And I... I ran and I got it. I'm like, I can't believe it. That's the dude that's in my wrestling book. He's in the ugly section. And I, I was such a nerd. That is, that's exactly what I sounded like. Like, I saw the scene and I said, I'm gonna go and I'm gonna get my book. And I ran and I got it and I looked at it and I'm like, that's so great. And then Snake hit him in the forehead with the, with the bat and killed him. So, there was that. I, I did enjoy this movie. I thought it was, I thought it was a bit too long and... A lot of the stories, like I said, were stories that I had heard before, but it was very nice to, uh, to see the face of J.J. Dillon again, and to see, to see Nikolai Volkov, who recently passed away, it was, it was nice. I, I'm very nostalgic for the days in which I used to love wrestling. I still watch it, I still pay attention, but I don't exactly love it. I don't even know if I like it. I think... I think I just kind of stick with it out of a force of habit. It's always nice it's nice to go back and see the olden days and to see the people and the things that happened that that drew me into it in the first place. I'm trying to I'm trying to think of everybody who's involved in this. You got you got the mass superstar, you got Ox Baker, you got J.J. Dillon, you got Nikolai Volkov. you got Brit the Hitman Hart. You got Jim Cornette, of course. You have to have You gotta have Jim Cornette in something like this. I, I don't know. I'm drawing a blank. There's a lot of, uh, a lot of dudes from the Midwest. Sort of like Crusher and the Bruiser types who I am not familiar with that were in this. Oh, Angelo Mosca Sr. Who I, he's another dude that was in the ugly section of the good, the bad, and the ugly that I had never, not ever seen before. So it was weird to see him in person. Like, a. Like talking, what was weird was he's a much older version of the dude that I had seen in my book. But the second he came on the screen, I'm like, oh my gosh, that's Angelo Mosca Jr. I couldn't, senior rather, I couldn't, I couldn't believe it. I forget if he's junior or senior. Please, please don't get a hold of me about this. But, uh, this was fun. Why don't we give this a good old-fashioned Source Magazine mic meter reading. And then, then we'll move into, uh, the next segment. Javier... You're my dude. I like hearing from you all the time. I hope, I hope that this fulfilled what you wanted when you picked this as, as the choice. I tried to throw in some neat wrestling memories, some nostalgic stuff, just to just to flesh it out and make it all fun. Javier, this one's for you. So on the good old fashioned Source Magazine, Mike Meter with one being a dud and five being an all time classic. I'm gonna go ahead and give 350 Days a solid 2.5. 2.5 Mike. Mike. mic. Get ready you flushbag criminals J5 is coming for you And there is no way to hide from the robotic arm of justice starting this earth spring On televisions everywhere Johnny Court The greatest court show that there has ever been all other judges are obsolete. Join me movie star, Johnny Five, this spring on your piece of garbage standard deaf hillbilly TV, as I bring justice to your holler, robot style. Johnny Court. Coming everywhere. Soon. You made it this far, it's time, the final segment, the Icy Robots Radio Pop Culture slash Toy News slash other boring stuff informational moment. Alright, it is me and we are back for the final segment of the show. This is the one where we talk about, I don't know, different things, this and that, things I bought, things I got, things I saw, things I thought... I put out the call for text messages to all you guys, and if you ever want to reach out to the show, you can do so at 707-532-JAMS, that is 707-532-5267, if you, if you prefer to use numbers on your phone calls, I definitely understand that. I like to get a text, I like to get a voicemail, I will use them on the show if you send one our way, I... I don't know. I like to hear what you guys got to say. I like to get questions from you guys. So if yeah, if you want to do that, feel free. Let's, let's jump right into this. The first one we got is from our dude, the Necrotic Doctor. And it says, hey, ISR, it's the Necrotic Doctor. How did you come up with your screen name? Yet, you're not a fan of the Transformers? Just curious. Not meant as a dig. I don't know. I don't, I don't take that as a dig, my dude. That is... That's an interesting question. It hails from, uh, it's, it's a tale as old as time. Let me, let me try to dip back into the, into the days of yore. For this tale, you have to picture a young ISR. Young ISR that was out there trying to get some, and what I was trying to get up on was the comic book industry. I, when I was a young dude, I had hopes of making it as a comic book writer, and I, I I made, like, a lot of different creative attempts. I had a comic with my dude named Greg, who who I don't get to see enough nowadays. We had a book called The Kick-Ass Kid, which was about a teenage gal who gets the powers of invulnerability. But every time she uses the powers in any way, it takes time off her life. So, while she may be invulnerable, she's only going to live to be, like, 22 or 23. I, I like that one. We wrote a few issues of that. I still got them... Still got him in my uh, garage up there on the, uh, on the Earth base. We took a shot at Marvel when they did something called, uh, what was it? Epic? Epic Comics, which was going to be, like, this creator-launched thing. And we we took a shot at one of their characters, a gal that goes by the name of Fateball, who was part of a team called the Craptacular B-Sides. We We took a spin on her where she went solo, went to Detroit, and started trying to clean up the streets there, kind of, kind of as an urban vigilante on the, uh, on the edge of legality, but also, also kind of like as a club kid, like a party kid and stuff. I, I really like that. I wrote the first six issues, I wrote the first arc, and we had that one planned out all the way through the end. Let me just run that down for you really quick. She was gonna team up with a bunch of other superheroes that I invented. There was a, there was a Mexican kid that went by the name of Carlos Angeles. He had he had the magical powers of Santeria and he had a brother who was a luchador. His name was, his name was Juan Calavera. He was a, he was a tall skinny kid who wore a, he wore like a skeleton costume. Juan Calavera means a uh, John skeleton. So he was gonna, he was gonna be like that. There was a pair of dudes who were, they were reformed gangbangers called Chaos, K-O-S, the code of the streets. And they were, they were all together gonna clean up the mean streets of Detroit, Michigan, and then at the end, we were gonna have a scene where Fateball was on a roof looking down at the, at the streets she's been protecting when Captain America come up behind her, and he's like, I really like what you're doing here, uh, Laura, her name is Laura Broadbar, he's like, I really like what you're doing here, Laura, I have a, I want to offer you an opportunity, and she's like, to join the Avengers, and he's like, "Well, no, but I would like to get you uh, some Shield training. Maybe bring you in as a as a new agent. I think you have great potential." And she'll be like, "Laura Broadbar, agent of Shield. I like it." And they would it would go off in that direction with her taking on bigger, bigger, better things under the training of Cap. But they they canceled the whole epic line after they published one issue. So we never even we never even got to send in our pitch. We We found this all very discouraging. And then I, then I went solo. I decided the best thing for me to do was to try and write and draw my own comics. I am a terrible artist, but a lot of, a lot of indie comic dudes are terrible artists. You just kind of use it as a way to get your, get your writing out there. And I came up with a story of a planet where... The folks who live there rely on these robot servants, but then when they they discover that the energy source of the robot servants is, in effect, destroying the planet. It was something where, like, you know, the power cores were polluting everything, and blah, 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 blah. So, they have to send all the robots off. They, they build them a big ship, and they send them into space to, to find their own way. They could have just destroyed them. This was the This was the nice thing. The main characters on that was a a robot named One. He was named that because he was the first of a new line of robots. He was the first and only one that was created because they stopped all production when they decided to send him off into space. And him, him being the most current robot was also the most advanced, thus the most intelligent. So they made him, they made him the leader. The youngest, the youngest was the best, the youngest was the leader. And this was... This was their adventures through space trying to find a new home. I'll I'll tell you the end. I only wrote like three issues. It didn't it didn't go anywhere, but I'll tell you I'll tell you how I, I planned on ending that. They they were eventually gonna find a planet full of zombies. They were zombies, but also also like roughly intelligent zombies, not like intelligent zombies, but they they were smarter than say, like, Walking Dead Zombies or Day of the Dead Zombies. They could they could talk a little bit and the robots were going to land on this planet and they were going to find that this was the place for them because they like to help. That's what they want to do. That was their goal in life is just to help people and zombies need a lot of help. They fall down, they get stuck in things, they drop things and also they're already dead so they're not going to be affected by the cancerous power source of the robots and to, to finally get to the point, I've been going on this forever, this comic was named I See Robots. I named it after a Cool Keith song. Cool Keith was the, the lead MC for the Ultramagnetic MCs. He went solo and he recorded a record called Black Elvis. And one of the songs on Black Elvis was a song called I'm Seeing Robots. And it was about going out there and like, looking around the world and seeing these dudes with their Bluetooth headsets and their, their cell phones. This was before everybody had a cell phone. This is when... This is when people felt like, look at that dork with that Bluetooth, man. Mr. Joe Business. And me, being a younger dude, I really, really got into this. So, as an homage, I named my comic Icy Robots. And I bought the IcyRobots.com domain. And I I plugged away with this for a while. But then at a certain point, I saw uh, this isn't really going to catch on. So, I, I kind of switched IcyRobots.com over to, like, a movie review site. And I don't know. Eventually, I See Robots. Became my name. I don't know. I I like it. I think it's kind of fun. I think it's kind of abstract. I don't mind it at all. But uh, that was a good question, man. I hope that I I answered it for you in a way that you find satisfactory. Necrotic Doctor, my dude, thanks a lot. I appreciate you reaching out to us. Alright, let's see what is next. This is from our dude Gabe. Gabe is a show patron. He said... Flash Gordon didn't rule my world back in the day like Star Wars, but still, it's one of my favorite, uh, films of all the times. I loved it when the movie Ted glorified it. There's a documentary. That's amazing. Thanks for sharing, ISR. I was talking about, uh, last week's, or the week before last episode with, uh, Life After Flash. Life After Flash was, it was a lot of fun, dude. If you have any interest in Flash Gordon, I definitely recommend saying that. He also says, P.S. I'm excited for Johnny Court. You and me both, dude. I... I don't know, I just cannot imagine what this is going to be like. Is it going to be like a standard, is it going to be like a standard court show? I don't know. In the, in the commercial we heard earlier, he's like talking about the long arm of robot justice. So is he going to go out there like dog the bounty hunter and hunt? I know not. But what I do know is that we are going to have a clip within the, within the next couple weeks. He's very vague about when he was going to get it to us, but he also... He also promised it, so eventually it will come. I, I look forward to it. Gabe, thanks for reaching out. I appreciate it. Let's see. We got one from the dude, Engineer Nerd. You can find him on Twitter, at Engineer Nerd, and it says simply, Top three cookies, go. I, I don't know. Let me think about that. Do you mean, like, store-bought cookies, or do you mean just, like, cookies in general? Let's, let's start with number three. My number three cookie of all time and space would probably be oatmeal raisin. I like oatmeal. I eat it for breakfast almost every day, and I really like raisins. I think, I think it's a nice combination. Number two is probably, uh, chocolate chip. Chocolate chip is, it's like... The standard bearer of all cookies, I think. If you, if you think of a cookie, kind of what pops into your head is a chocolate chip cookie. But, my personal favorite cookie of all the cookies is peanut butter cookies. I, I like them a lot, but they gotta have a lot of peanut butter in them. I really go for the, uh, peanut butter taste. Sometimes, you get a peanut butter cookie and it's just not, it's not peanut buttery enough. And then... Then, it's only a mediocre cookie. If it has the right amount of peanut butter, it is delightful. I, I don't know. I might flip the script and say that the chocolate chip is the best. Because even if you get, like, a mediocre chocolate chip cookie, it's still really good. Whereas, to get a really great peanut butter cookie, it has to be made to perfection. I don't really eat a lot of cookies, you know, sugar embargo in effect and stuff. But I... I do like a cookie. If we're talking like store bought, I, I don't know if we're talking like pre-packaged as opposed to store bought, let's say I would go number three is probably, I don't know, man. I, I don't eat enough cookies to really like give you an idea of store bought cookies. I like Oreos a lot. I really like Oreos. I can't have them in the house because I'll eat, I'll eat an entire package. I'll eat an entire row at once. I can't, I can't have them around. I like Samoa's. Samoas are my favorite of all the Girl Scout cookies. I I don't so much go for the pre-packaged uh, chocolate chip ones. They are a bit too chewy. You know what I'm talking about there? I don't know. I do kind of like the kind that come in a roll that you bake yourself. Those are always good. But I'm not like Mr. Cookie Boy. You know, I do like a cookie as much as, as, much as the next guy. But I... I try to keep them away from me, dude, because I'm out of control with the sugar, you know, so I gotta have a sugar embargo in effect at all times. I I do appreciate the question, though. It's a, it's a real thinker. Let's see, he also has another one. It says, also, if you make Lunchables, do you make them all one at a time, one by one, or do you eat it all separately? Well... I don't really make Lunchables, I guess. I I never had them back when I was in school. I'm not even sure if they were, like, invented yet. And I've never, not ever bought one as an adult. But I, I get the idea of what it is. And I think that if I were given a Lunchable, I would probably make them one at a time. When I get, like, when I get, like, cheese and crackers or whatever, when I, when I got, like, a plate, you know, like a snack plate, I, I enjoyed the process of making them. So I kind of... I kind of try to stretch it out, you know, I don't go for it all at once, I'll make one, then I'll make another, then I'll make another, I, I like to experiment, for example, do I, do I put the cheese on top, or do I put the cheese in the middle, I don't know, I, do you eat Lunchables, is that something you take to work with you, if so, that's a little weird man, you're a, you're a full grown dude, don't be eating Lunchables, eat a sandwich. Eat a sandwich like a man. I, I do appreciate the question, though. That was, that was real thought-provoking stuff. Before we get too far away from it, I think my only actual experience with Lunchables was when 2.0 was a kid. She really dug these pizza ones. You would get like a weird piece of, weird piece of like a bobbly, I guess. And you'd put a pizza sauce and stuff on it. I always I always thought that was mad weird, but she was into it. That's all she would eat. That's all she would eat for lunch for years. Let's, let's see what else is going on. I really do appreciate, I really do appreciate you guys reaching out with these questions. If you want to do so, 707-532-JAMS, 707-532-5267. You can reach me with an SMS. You can reach me with a voicemail. Do whatever you feel, man. Let me, let me get this. I got, I got a new Star Wars guy this week and I put him I have put him in the case. I still got the case down here with me. The dude that I purchased this week was Chewbacca. Chewbacca was my favorite Star Wars character until, until Ray came along. I think it's a delightful figure too. He, he's a little bit taller than the standard Star Wars guy. I, I got him on an auction. I got him on an eBay auction. I picked him up for like $3 with a little bit of shipping. I think, maybe, I forget. It was... It was something really cheap, but I, but I had a little bit of beef with the dude who sold it to me. He sent it to me in a box full of packing peanuts. Man, if you ship stuff, don't use packing peanuts. People don't know that you have put packing peanuts inside the package until they open it. And then you bust it open, they fly everywhere. Next thing you know, you're on your hands and knees picking up packing peanuts. They're terrible for the environment, too. Don't do it. When I... When I ship something like an action figure or something that's kind of, kind of on the more durable side and small like that, I'll, I'll wrap it in a little bit of bubble wrap, you know, around it to protect like the fine details, but then I, I'll fill the rest of the box with like newspaper, dude. It's fine. It's not like it's a glass or anything, but I don't know, dude, uh, dude wanted to use the peanuts. I like him, this Chewbacca rather, not the seller. I don't like the seller. I'm not going to. I'm not going to give him a negative. I'm not one of those dudes who goes out and hands out negatives on on eBay. That's not very nice. But what I will do is I probably will just decline to leave any feedback at all, which is, which is, I don't know. It's neither here nor there. But he came with his gun, Chewbacca, not the, not the seller. I I think it's a neat gun. The the details of it are pretty cool. It has a piece that attaches around his wrist as well as in his hand. It's not, it's not a bowcaster. It's not exact, but it is... It is pretty fun. In the, in the case that I have, there are two compartments that are taller than the other compartments, and in those you can put Darth Vader, who I have, and then the other side you put Chewbacca, who I also now have. He's in here with Han Solo, and they are both, they're both really happy to be reunited like Peaches and Herb. Is that who, is that who sang that song? I can't recall. Alright, my guys, I think we're gonna call it a show. We're about at the point in which I, I like to get up out of here. So, for me, Engineer Emily and Iceberg out there on Ryza, AB Silver, Johnny5, MC Kate makes the mic disintegrate. This is your dude, Icy Robot, signing off episode number 193. If you don't know, now you know. What does E.L.E. stand for? Everybody love everybody. Everybody love everybody. Right there up on the wall. This has been I See Robots Radio production. I See Robots Radio is a listener supported in day If you like what we do and we make your day a little easier, please consider tossing a few bucks our way to help keep the life support running. All money collected goes to help us prepare for future space pirate attacks. Go on over to supportthereport.com for all the details. Thanks and have a great week. This is San Francisco's KQED Channel 9. Television worth watching and supporting. Benny! Shut up! Thank you.